Hi friends, this is Katie Price and you are listening to the brand new Everyday Grace podcast. So welcome. I'm super glad you're here and I'm really excited to share with you what I've been working on for the past several weeks. So welcome. Uh, This is kind of an introduction to what this is all about and why I started this podcast and what the whole point is and where we're going with this. So I'm going to tell you a story and then I'm going to tell you about what the first series of the podcast is going to be and how I arrived there and why this is happening. So um, I'm just going to jump right in. So this is uh, how, how it all began. So I was having coffee with a friend a while back and she said something that struck me. She said, honestly, I'm having a hard time with my faith. So many of my friends who call themselves Christians, they smoke, they drink, they cuss, and sometimes they don't really seem to behave any differently from the world around us. Um, And she said, grace is great and everything, but I think most Christians abuse it. I thought we were supposed to be different from the world. And then she launched into a story about how another friend we have sins a lot, um, in my friend's eyes, but she also kindly, you know, I feel like she was trying to be kind. She mentioned that this other friend had a rough upbringing, so maybe that's why she struggles. And my friend reflected that she's so blessed to have the resources and family support she's had so that she hasn't ended up like our other friend. Um, and when she said that, it made me think, I've heard, I've heard this story before. Um, and I love my friend, but, uh, it, it reminds me of a story that Jesus told in the Bible. And he told this story to some people who had a lot of confidence in their own righteousness and kind of looked down on other people who didn't have the same, uh, didn't have the same standing that they had, I guess, in their eyes. So, uh, the story goes like this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's from Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And gosh, guys, I mean, I confess to you that I have been both of these folks in the temple. I have been the one who has looked around at others, like my friend, uh, like my friend has, thanking God that I'm not as bad as other people are. And I've also been the one who can barely lift my eyes to heaven, um, to the healer of my soul and the redeemer of my mess. And if we're believers in Jesus, we know which person we want to be in that story, right? We want to be the humble sinner who acknowledges and confesses our sin before the Lord, because we know that only then can we be set free of it. We want to be more focused on our own mess, too, rather than the mess of other people, understanding we'd better take the plank out of our own eye before we try to gripe about the toothpick sticking out of our sisters or brothers, right? We want to welcome all sinners into the arms and house of Jesus, not chase them away for two reasons. Number one, we know that we're sinners too, and without Jesus loving us just the way we are, we wouldn't stand a chance of um, 
any kind of holiness or good standing with God. And also, too, we know that true healing and transformation is found in Jesus. And, um, you know, that's why we want to introduce people to him. That's why we are Christians, right? Because of the healing that he's given us. And, and we know that being with Jesus is where we want to be. We're in, we know that we're in the right place. Um, cause we can recognize him by what he's done for us. Right. Um, well, and also because he's God and he deserves our worship, but you know, Jesus spent his life healing people and he still does. And I think he does that because he wants us to be okay. Right. I mean, he, he's, he is love. Um, and so, you know, why wouldn't we want to welcome other people into that as well to find what we've found? Yet the church continues to be known among many as judgmental and harsh and nitpicky and condemning and unwelcoming and, you know, those two things aren't going to work, right? We can't invite others in if we're known in the world for being that way. So I think my friend and I have different views on what it means to be a Christian. I can sort of see why she would struggle with her Christian friends who smoke and drink and whatnot, but what if following Jesus is less about what's going into you, like alcohol or tobacco or whatever, and more about what's coming out, like love? When I think about how the church could better serve sinners, which is kind of what we all are, right? (laughs) It makes me think about another old friend. In high school, this friend and I, we were in several plays and musicals together, and he also went to my church. We were on the youth group worship team together. He was a creative theater kid like me who loved being dramatic and over the top. But unfortunately, he was also in an awkward phase like a lot of us were in high school. I do not miss those years at all. (laughs) So um, he wasn't a very popular kid and neither was I. So I kind of got that. Um, But other kids would make fun of him sometimes or just not go out of their way to include him in things. And I know what this felt like. I think probably a lot of people listening know what that felt like know what that feels like Uh, but maybe that's why we were friends because we kind of had similar experiences in that so one day he came out to me as gay and he came out to other people too and as the news started to spread around um, the church that we went to actually asked him to step down from the youth worship team and their reasoning was that he was giving a bad witness Um, So they told him that, you know, it wouldn't be good for him to present that he was gay publicly to everyone and also lead worship because they did not feel like those two things could go together. And so they asked him to just not participate anymore. He could still go to our church. They weren't kicking him out of that, but they were kicking him off of the worship team. So, I mean, he cried. It was horrible. He was he felt so rejected and so alone and um, he didn't relate super well to his family either. And I think they struggled a lot with his coming out and I think that a lot of people didn't really consider his struggles they just it was hard for them to see how it could reconcile to his faith and they didn't even think about what he was struggling with um you know which of course is a lot bigger than what they were struggling with um because it's personal you know so he left our church he started going to another church at first Um, But after experiencing similar treatment and kind of being held at arm's length there as well, he left the church altogether. And I don't blame him, to be honest with you. Uh, He started hanging out with the small crowd of gay kids at our school who happened to also be into smoking cigarettes and pot and getting drunk. Not that all gay kids are into that, but um, these particular kids were. 
And he started smoking and he lost a lot of weight and he got a boyfriend and learned to play the guitar and he became kind of one of the cool kids and he hung out with, um, in, in his group and he hung out with the people who had given him support in the places that the church had not. And he later, he graduated to harder drugs, um, and he grew more confused about his identity. And, um, now he, my friend is a transgender woman, um, And so I'll refer to this person as she from now on. Um, And and please don't think that I'm insinuating that all gay or trans people are into drugs or are bad people. I mean, that's not true at all. They are no worse or better than any of the rest of us, truly. Um, But I can't help but think how my friend's story might have been different if when she reached out to her church for love and acceptance that she'd have gotten it. Um, She did reach out and she didn't get love and acceptance she got rejection and um, she literally got kicked off the team and I'm sure that the pastoral staff had reasons for that that they felt were more important but I just can't help wonder if part of her story and her struggles with finding her identity might have been a reaction to the rejection that she felt from her church community these were supposed to be her people who would surround her with prayer and love and assurance during one of the hardest times of her young life. And instead, they turned their backs. And unfortunately, guys, at the time, I was part of the problem. I hadn't yet learned that I had permission to love wildly and without condition people who were different from me. And I didn't yet understand that when we say we're all sinners and the Bible says we're all sinners. That means all of us. And those of us whose sin is dressed up nicer don't get a free pass and we're not somehow in better standing than other people. Um, I think the church definitely, uh, at least people can get the impression that in church it's it does seem like certain sins are ranked worse or better than others. And I think being, I I think for a lot of people they see certain groups of people as worse or better than others because of that. And at the time, you know, I was a teenager and I didn't yet understand Jesus's model of saving someone and how it starts with knowing him. And then he moves on to dismantling sin and hurt and all of that in our lives. And I hadn't yet grasped that making someone's perceived sin a bigger deal than Christ's all-encompassing love for them would just drive them away from Jesus as fast as their legs could carry them. So the thing is, whether you believe that being gay or transgender or whatever is a sin or not, um, you can still agree that this person deserved love and acceptance during this extremely difficult time in her life and she didn't get it she got the opposite she got rejection and hurt and she got kicked off the team and um and this breaks my heart and and not because I care about the quantity of people that I can win for Christ but um because Christ heals right like we who have been touched by this healing know that it's real and we want to share it with others who are in desperate need. I mean, my friend has also been in a place where, um, you know, she's felt suicidal. And I have other friends as well who aren't believers. And they sometimes they struggle with what reason are they on this earth. And, and I want to be able to offer them hope in Christ. But, um, 
but many of them wouldn't wouldn't respond well to it because how can they when they see us as judgy and legalistic and condemning right and it's not just an image problem it's a heart problem it's not just that people think of the church like this it's that we have been like this in in a lot of uh in a lot of contexts and um and and just how can we look at the life and words of Jesus and somehow end up behaving more like the teachers of the law in his parables right how can how can we somehow be missing what he said was the greatest commandment the most important thing um and he said that all of the law and the prophets hang on it um how can we be missing what paul said we needed to have or all our prophesying and sacrificing and martyrdom meant nothing right how can we be neglecting love um and my guess is because it is that it's because the gospel's backwards and lots of us still haven't figured out how to turn around. And that's okay, because repentance is the work of our entire lives. Uh, when I was a social worker, you could often find me behind the wheel of a van full of foster kids, driving them to visit their parents. And moms, you know this scene well, right? Sometimes a fight breaks out in the back seat, and, and I would say in my best mom voice, don't make me turn this van around. And... um Usually they would just laugh at me trying to do a serious voice because usually I was all stickers and hugs and sunshine. Um, but by then their laughter made them forget what they were fighting about. And uh, so it would all be okay. But repentance just means to turn around. So let's turn this thing around together. Imagine if the global church began to be known for being on the front lines of belonging and kindness and mercy in our world. I think many of us desire to do this already. But if we're honest, we do have to acknowledge that the church as an institution has a history of not being completely welcoming to certain groups of people. And I bet you can already kind of picture exactly who I mean. People like my friend, gay people, transgender people, um, women who have had abortions, people who have been divorced, people who have been to prison, people who are refugees, um, so what if instead of being nervous around these folks, what if we ran straight for them, offering acceptance and unconditional love and our service and, and taking care of them in the name of Jesus? I would suggest to you that we would be inching just a little bit closer to our role as his hands and feet. And I think one of the best ways we can grow in this area is to just listen to the stories of people who have felt pushed out and unwelcome in the church. So this is the reasoning behind the very first series in this new podcast. And the first series will be called You Can Sit With Us. And it just centers on a vision that I have for the church that we would be like the kid in the cafeteria who stands up and gestures to the new kid or the one who feels like he doesn't belong. And we would just shout, hey, over here, you can sit with us. Um, it's a huge passion of mine that we who love Jesus would be about the work of his kingdom and be a balm and a joy to those around us. And I think much of the time we are, but in some ways we really do have some work left to do. Some people have been hurt so deeply by churches and church people like my friend that they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And that's just such a tragedy, you guys. When we're known for our legalism and our hypocrisy rather than our love to even just one person, to me, that's one too many. The church should leak kindness and compassion everywhere she goes, not judgment and shame. So I'm so excited for you to hear the stories of my guests who have agreed to speak with me. They have beautiful, hopeful stories, most of them, and they have feedback for the church because they believe in the church, which is amazing considering some of their stories, that they still believe in us as a vehicle for good in the world, but they do. And they've just shared these 
beautiful, constructive, hopeful insights um, that I'm so excited to share with you. And, and they are just like really practical ways for us to love people and welcome people better um, who have felt not welcome. And I just think it's going to be a really wonderful way for those of us who want to intentionally get better in this area to just learn from people who have been through it. And so that's kind of what this uh, first series is all about. So it's called You Can Sit With Us, and I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll sit with us <laughs> while we do this. And um, and uh, we're la- uh, launching the uh, first interview very soon, so, so keep your eye on this space. And thanks for joining me, you guys. I'm so... So excited to walk this journey with you in another way. If you read my blog, you'll already know these things about my heart. But um, if you're if you're new to the Everyday Grace family, welcome and thank you for uh, jumping in with us. And I can't wait to share the first interview with you. It's uh, you may have heard of her. Her name is Dana Bowman, and she's going to chat with us about addiction and about how the church reacted to her addiction and the struggle that was there and how that affected her faith and her life and. Um, And there's a lot of hope in her story, so I think you'll really enjoy it, Um, but also some really constructive feedback and some wisdom for us. So I'm really excited, and um, I know I've said that like 12 times, so thanks for for being with me and bearing with me, and I'm new here in the podcast world, so it probably won't be all perfect recordings and everything, and I don't really edit out things that go wrong, so... So we'll see. It'll be an adventure and a ride, so thank you guys so much. I'm really excited to share this with you, and... um, and I hope you'll I hope you'll tune in. All right, thanks guys. See you later.